0: Section 18 of The Ocean A General Account of the Science of the Sea This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org The Ocean A General Account of the Science of the Sea by John Murray Marine Deposits Part 2 Generally speaking, in the deepest regions of the ocean, calcium carbonate is either absent or present only in very small percentages, while occasionally there are considerable numbers of radiolarian and diatom remains, red clays, and radiolarian oozes. In the medium depths of the ocean, especially far from the land, the dead shells of the phalagic calcareous organisms and in some regions the siliceous organisms also play a predominant role in the formation of the deposits On the continental slopes and in all enclosed seas, there is usually an admixture of phalagic organisms in the deposits with the finer detrital matters from the land and shallow water but in some of the muds there is an almost entire absence of the remains of phalagic calcareous organisms blue mud red mud green mud volcanic mud and coral mud on the continental shelf the deposits are principally made up of the larger fragments derived from the land along with the remains of the bottom living organisms quads and coral sands, gravels, marls, etc. Stratification In many deposit samples brought up in the sounding tube after it has penetrated deeply into the bottom, distinct evidences of stratification may be discerned, especially in terrigenous deposits. Indeed, the opinion has been expressed that stratification is the rule, and where it is not observed, the sounding tube has not penetrated through the uppermost layer. Sometimes globigerina ooze overlies blue mud diatom ooze or red clay. Sometimes diatom ooze overlies blue mud and sometimes red clay overlies globigerina ooze. The last mentioned arrangement seems to point to the subsidence of the seafloor. More frequently differences in color but no great differences in composition are met within the same deposit type. Organic matter The role played by organic matter in the ocean is very complex and important one, leading to continual and extensive changes in the internal constitution of the sea, water salts, and of the materials in suspension in seawater and lying on the floor of the ocean. The intensity of these changes varying with the temperature and other conditions. In nearly all deep sea deposits, traces of albuminoid organic matters can be detected and the deep sea animals on the sea floor. Live by eating the superficial layers of the deposit, finding sufficient organic material therein to support life. The decomposition of organic matter in the deposits is associated with the formation of glauconite and of phosphatic grains and nodules and other like reformations such as reduction of oxides in blue mud. Calcium carbonate Calcium carbonate is present in seawater in forms of the normal carbonate and of the bicarbonate. The normal carbonate is very slightly soluble average sea water containing only twelve part per thousand under certain conditions, however, the quantity may be much increased. The sea water saturated with calcium carbonate that is containing the normal amount which it will dissolve at a given temperature may, after remaining for a certain period in contact with the same substance in a state of exceedingly fine division, take up as much as 0 to 65th part per thousand. The solution is then said to be supersaturated, and after standing for some time, the excess will be deposited as crystalline calcium carbonate, thus causing the filling up of the interstices of massive corals with crystalline carbonate. Free carbonic acid in seawater increases the solubility of calcium carbonate, calcium bicarbonate being formed, but this salt is much more soluble than the normal carbonate and very unstable, so that it may be broken up into normal carbonate, and free carbonic acid by evaporation and by rise of temperature. Part of the calcium carbonate in seawater is withdrawn by lime-secreting organisms to form shell and coral. Generally speaking, organisms secrete calcium carbonate much more abundantly and rapidly in warm than in cold water. In the Arctic and Antarctic oceans, And in the deep sea, where the temperature approaches the freezing point of fresh water, there are no great accumulations of calcium carbonate due to secretion by benthonic organisms and the calcareous shells and skeletons secreted by phalagic organisms are thin and fragile. On the other hand, the most abundant secretion of calcium carbonate both by benthonic and planktonic organisms, occur in tropic and subtropical waters. Thus, coral reefs are developed in the greatest perfection in those ocean waters where the temperature is the highest and the annual range least. Many species of pteropods, heteropods, gastropods, foraminifera, and calcareous algae Cocospheres and haptospheres flourish in the surface waters of tropical regions, and the largest and the thickest shelled specimens are found in the regions of the equatorial calms. During the Challenger expedition, an attempt was made by the writer to estimate the quantity of calcium carbonate in this form in tropical surface waters. A tow net with an opening a foot in the diameter, was dragged for as nearly as possible half a mile through the water, and shells collected were boiled in caustic potash, washed, dried, and weighed, the mean of four experiments giving 2 to 545 grams. If the calcareous organisms were as abundant at all depths, down to 100 fathoms as they were in the track followed by the tow net there would be sixteen tons of calcium carbonate in this form in a mass of tropical oceanic water one square mile in the area of hundred fathoms in depth proceeding polewards from the tropics these calcareous organisms become smaller and many varieties die out until in the cold surface waters of the arctic and antarctic regions only one or two thin-shelled species of pteropods and one or two dwarfed species of foraminifera occur. In like manner, much less calcium carbonate is secreted in the cold, deep waters of tropical regions than in the warm surface waters, the calcareous structures becoming less massive with increasing depth. Although lime-secreting organisms are so abundant in the tropical surface waters, their shells and skeletons are rare or entirely absent from large areas of the ocean floor in the greatest depths. Pteropod ooze, for instance, is limited to the comparatively shallow depths of the warmer oceans, and yet it has been shown by hundreds of observations that pteropods and heteropods are as abundant at the surface over areas where not a trace of their shells can be detected in the bottom deposits as over areas where they have accumulated to such an extent as to form a pteropod ooze. The same holds good with the reference to the shells of phalagic foraminifera and calcareous phalagic algae. When a series of deposits is examined from the same tropical area but from different depths, it is found that in the depths of between say 500 and 1000 fathoms, nearly every species of calcareous shell taken by the toe nets in the surface waters may be observed in the deposit at the bottom. In the greater depths, say between 1000 and 2000 fathoms, all the thinner and more delicate shells have disappeared from the deposit, especially the pteropod, heteropod, and the smaller and more fragile of the foraminifera shells. In still depths, say between 2000 and 3000 fathoms, only the heavier and more massive foraminifera shells are present in the deposits and many of these are corroded and in the process of decomposition. In the greatest depths, between 3,000 and 5,000 fathoms, it is often difficult to find even a trace of these phalagic shells. The shells must be removed by solution, either while falling through the water to the greater depths or shortly after reaching the bottom. As soon as a lime secreting organism dies in the surface waters, it commences to fall towards the bottom and its shell is exposed to solution from the solvent action of the sea water and of the carbonic acid present in the sea water produced perhaps by the decomposition of its own body. The great majority of the shells are, however, only partially removed during the first few hundred fathoms, and therefore reach the bottom at lesser depths and accumulate there. More of the shells may be dissolved as they lie at the bottom, but in depths of few hundreds of fathoms, they are soon covered up by the fall of other shells, and thus protected to some extent from further solution. Another point is that, Since seawater can take up only a relatively small quantity of calcium carbonate before being saturated, the water in contact with calcareous deposit must be very near the saturation point and has therefore less solvent power. Solution is however apparently more active beyond 2,000 fathoms, which may be due to the lower temperature to the increased pressure and took the greatest abundance of carbonic acid in the water. In areas occupied by massive warm surface currents, where lime-secreting organisms are more abundant than elsewhere, the shells accumulate at the bottom at greater depths than usual, as is also the case in areas where warm and cold currents meet at the surface, where there is reason to believe that organisms are killed in greater numbers than elsewhere by sudden changes of temperature. In those parts of the ocean floor covered by the chocolate-colored red clays, characterized by the abundance of manganese in nodules and grains as in the Central Pacific, it seems as though the calcareous shells were removed from the deposit at less depths than usual, possibly by some hypogene action. Thus, red clays are found in the Pacific in depths at which globarina oozes occur in the Atlantic. The amount of calcium carbonate secreted by organisms from seawater must be enormous and since only a comparatively small quantity is present in the solution, lime-secreting organisms must be able to utilize the other salts of calcium present in the seawater in the formation of the carbonate. Wherever affected animal matter is thrown into the sea or wherever animal structures are undergoing decay in the ocean, Decomposition products, many of them of a complex constitution, pass into solution. In the presence of seawater salts, these products give rise to many reactions. The formation of ammoniacal salts always taking place to a great extent or less extent. Carbonate of ammonia rising from the decomposition of animal products in presence of the sulphate of lime in seawater, becomes carbonate of lime and sulphate of ammonia. The whole of the lime salts in seawater may be changed by this reaction into carbonate and so presented to lime-secreting organisms in a form suitable for their requirements. Murray and Irvine's well-known experiments with crabs and hens seem to point conclusively to this origin of calcareous structures in the living animal. The temperature of the water is of great importance in this reaction, which is retarded in cold water, but proceeds with great rapidity in warm water. This probably explains the great development of massive Calcareous structures in the coral reef regions, which are also the regions of highest and most uniform temperature in the ocean, and also the great extension of lime secreting phalagic organisms in the tropical surface currents flowing northwards and southwards from the equator. Solution of calcium carbonate is continually going on in some parts of a coral reef while great deposition by living organisms is proceeding in others. In this way, it is believed that the characteristic form and features of barrier reefs and atolls can be explained without calling in a subsidence of seafloor, which is for a long time was considered as essential condition for the formation of barrier reefs and atolls. On the whole, the lime of the lithosphere is By the processes just indicated being accumulated towards the equator at the present time. Phosphatic nodules. In certain regions near land where surface currents from different sources alternate with the seasons, phosphatic concretions largely made up of phosphate of lime derived from the decomposition of organic remains are accumulating in considerable quantities on the underlying sea floor. Glauconite, this is a silicate of potassium and iron, and constituents of which are derived from the decomposition of continental rocks and minerals. It is generally deposited in the internal chambers of foraminifera and other calcareous organisms and revealed in the deposits after treatment with dilute acid as greenish casts and rounded green grains, sometimes in such abundance that the deposits are called green muds or green sands. Barium Nodules Small quantities of sulphate of barium have been detected in many marine deposits, and off the coast of India, small spherical nodules, containing 75% of barium sulphate, have been dredged in 675 fathoms of water. Manganese nodules The peroxides of manganese and iron in the form of small grains are widely distributed throughout all deep-sea deposits, and nodules of various sizes occur in great abundance in certain red clay areas, especially of the Central Pacific, concentrated around various nuclei such as shark's teeth, cetacean ear bones, fragments of volcanic rocks, and glasses, pumice, etc. Teeth of sharks and ear bones of whales. Sharks' teeth are dredged in considerable numbers, sometimes in very deep water, more especially in Central Pacific, But it is merely the external shell, the hard dentine or enamel that is preserved, the internal portion and base having been removed. These teeth are all impregnated and more or less thickly covered by manganese peroxide. The dense ear bones and beaks of whales have been dredged in the same regions as the shark's teeth, impregnated and coated with manganese in a similar manner. Such remains of sharks and whales have evidently lain for long periods of time exposed to the solvent action of seawater, as many of them belong to territory and extinct species. Cosmic Spherules The materials derived from extraterrestrial regions through interesting account of their origin are of small size and comparatively rare. They consist of 1. Black magnetic spherules frequently with metallic nuclei and 2. Brown chondritic spherules with crystalline structure and are supposed to have formed at one time part of the tails of meteorites. They are usually found in the deposits from very deep water, especially from some of the red clay areas, doubtless because few other materials there reach the bottom to cover them up. Zeolites. Zeolites are represented in deposits of very deep water, especially in the red clays of Central Pacific by Phillipsite, a silicate of calcium and aluminium, the constituents of which are derived from the decomposition of volcanic materials. It occurs in crystalline form as isolated elongated crystals, twins and aggregates of different numbers of crystals, assuming a spherical form of small size. Rate of deposition From observations made by telegraph cable engineers in the North Atlantic, it is believed that the globarina ooze accumulates in latitude 50 degrees north, longitude 30 degrees west at the rate of an inch in about 10 years in 2300 fathoms, and in latitude 3 degrees north long, longitude 30 degrees west at somewhat more rapid rate in the 1900 fathoms, while recent investigations indicate that in certain positions, deposition may be hindered even in depths exceeding thousand fathoms by tidal currents. Theoretically, it may be assumed that pterygenous deposits accumulate much more rapidly than phalagic deposits, and this is confirmed by observations. A maximum rate of deposition being found near land especially off the mouths of large rivers and a minimum rate in those red clay areas farthest removed from continental land in very deep water radioactive matter from a study of some representative samples of deep sea deposits supplied by writer j jolly has found that the radium content is much higher in deep sea deposits than in terrestrial rocks, and that red clays and radiolarian oozes from very deep water contain much more radium than the calcareous pteropod and globarina oozes from shallower depths. It seems that the amount of radioactive substances of manganese nodules, of whale's ear bones, of shark's teeth, of cosmic spherules and of zeolitic crystals is greatest where there is every reason to believe that the deposition of material on the seafloor is at a minimum. The presence of lead which is supposed to be the ultimate disintegration product of uranium in J. Gibson's analysis of manganese nodules from the red clay in the center of the Pacific is in this connection significant. End of section eighteen read by madhushri Nellor april fifteenth, twenty twenty two.